two things to remember in life. Take care of your thoughts when you are alone and take care of your words when you are with people. This is the Wisdom Worth Knowing podcast, and I'm your host, Craig Chamberlain. If it's your first time joining me, welcome. Thanks for giving me a shot. You can subscribe to Wisdom Worth Knowing on all of your favorite social networks, including YouTube, Facebook, and Rumble. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. We should also be available anywhere podcasts are distributed. If we are not, please ping me on any social network so that I can get us added. The show is brought to you by Audible, where listening is the new reading. Get unlimited access to thousands of audiobooks completely free for 30 days. Sign up now for this limited time offer for my listeners at audible.wisdomworthknowing.org. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot wisdomworthknowing.org. Two things to remember in life. Take care of your thoughts when you are alone and take care of your words when you are with people. I love the balance and dichotomy of this quote. For those of you who aren't aware, the quotes are actually chosen by the community based on the feedback received at the Facebook page. And I really love the balance in this quote. Uh, balance is something I probably talk about more than anything on the show. If you're not new to the show, it's very easy to take a lot of these quotes and platitudes to extremes. And so a lot of the times it's important to find that middle ground because in the middle is generally where reality is, is and it's where we are most effective. It's also the most difficult <laughs> in a lot of circumstances to land in the middle. If you're participating live, welcome. You can leave comments during the live stream and at the end of the episode, if there are any comments there, uh, we can talk about it at the discussion time. So feel free to post those during the episode. So the beginning part of the quote where it says two things to remember in life. Obviously, there are more than two things as a whole to remember in life. But, you know, they're saying in this particular scenario, there are two different contrasts or two different extremes. Take care of our thoughts when we are alone. Do we realize we have control over or some control over the thoughts that we allow to simmer in our head? Notice that I don't say that we have control over the thoughts that enter our head. I don't think we do. I think on an unconscious level and in a lot of ways, our, our thought processes are kind of dictated by our experience and circumstances and outside factors. And there's things that just trigger our thoughts that we don't have a lot of control over. And it can be just random things. But we what we do have control over is how we react to those thoughts. There's a really good saying that I, I remember hearing quite a bit. And, and I kind of, it kind of stuck with me too is, you know, God grants us that three seconds or three to 10 seconds to respond, you know, before we actually respond. So we have that, that, nice li that, that little window there in which a thought enters our head and then we get to decide what we're going to do with that thought, how we're going to react to it. 
And the more we kind of hone in this skill of thought management, I guess we could call it that, the more we become aware that thoughts kind of enter our heads without our consent, the more we realize we can actually begin to kind of master how we react to our own thought processes. And I mean this in an incredibly practical way, not in a overthinking kind of way, because overthinking is one of those traps that I fall into pretty frequently. And I think overthinking is one of those things when a thought enters our heads and we don't have control over it and, and we allow it to feed one of the unhealthy parts of our personality. In my case, it's anxiety. It can feed anger. It can feed anxiety. It can feed lust, whatever it might be. But but there's there's thoughts that we allow to enter and kind of take root. And then we get on the hamster wheel with that thought. So we we start feeding it over and over and over again. And we get on this overthinking endless cycle because we allow it to happen. There's an excellent book on this subject. It's called Battlefield of the Mind. Um, and and, and um, Joyce Myers talks about this, talks about the how we have this, this process in which thoughts come into our heads and then we can choose how to fight them or to accept them. And then it gives some real practical tools on what that might look like in terms of actually getting control of our thoughts before they manifest into action. You know, if we follow the religious or the Christian line of thinking, I shouldn't say religious, but the Christian line of thinking is, you know, Christ said thought, evil thoughts start in the heart. So a lot of times what flows into our minds, originally we accepted into our heart at one point, but things flowing into our mind aren't necessarily bad unless we act on them. And so we have like three points of contact in which we can fight against bad thoughts. And even if you're not religious, I think there's useful it in this. And I try to talk about that pretty frequently on the show. I have not always been religious. So I've found that Christ's teaching in, in particular have been extremely helpful for me when I became a Christian. I, and I actually started reading what he said directly. But his teachings in particular have given me a lot firmer emotional tools on dealing with real world situations. But that whole it comes from the heart thing shows that we can attack our bad thought processes on the heart level, which is, I think, in a lot of ways, our unconscious level. And then we can attack them on our thought level because they flow from our heart to our minds. And then we can attack them on our actions level. And the problem is, is a lot of us, we get caught up in this idea that we need to modify our behavior. But our behavior is really like the third phase of the process, right? Our, our behavior is actually the final outgrowth of something that exists deeper. You know, first it existed in our mind, in our hearts, then it flowed from our hearts to our minds, and then it flowed from our minds to our actions. And this can seem overwhelming at first, especially if you've never thought of or conceptualized things in this way. It's like, well, how do I fix something that's in my heart? Well, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot easier said than done, especially once we've allowed lies to really take root or fears or anxieties or 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 maybe we haven't even allowed it to take root maybe it's the product of a trauma or a horrible experience that just took root in our hearts because life happened 
something really bad happened to us, the heart portion of this battle is probably the most difficult to wrestle with. Because it's it is ultimately the root in which our our thoughts flow. So, on this subject of the quote, where taking care of our thoughts when we're alone, our thoughts are an important part of this battle too. Because I think our thoughts, in a lot of ways, allow us to figure out, hopefully, on at some point, and this can take a tremendous amount of time, where those thoughts are coming from on a heart level. You know how where where like if you hear if you get a thought that's really horrible and deep that that you hate or or that feeds your anxiety or fear or or whatever it might be that does raise that should raise at least some awareness that there's a deeper issue there right and so then we can at least we we can journal about these things we can we can talk to them with people but we can also battle those thoughts. We can say, no, that's not a healthy thought for me. It's going to feed my anxiety. And then my anxiety is going to feed more thoughts. And then my thoughts are going to feed more anxiety. And then it becomes a circular thing, especially if you get adrenaline and panic attacks in the equation. For those of us who have struggled with an anxiety disorder, we know this well, right? The thought creates the panic and then the panic creates more thoughts. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so you kind of get on this circular trap. The anxious uh, hamster wheel, I like to call it. And, and and that can last for days. It can last for weeks, depending on the severity of the anxiety and the amount of adrenaline that gets pumped into our systems. A couple of good books on anxiety, if you do struggle with it, is uh, From Panic to Power. That's a great one. Battlefield of Mind is still also a great one on that. And then there's, um, man, there's so many good books on anxiety. Panic to power. I'm trying to think of the other one. Oh, that's going to drive me nuts. Well, hopefully I think of it here in a moment. But anyways, that's not really what this episode's about. So taking care of our thoughts when we're alone means that we, we, we understand the significance of the thought because we know thoughts eventually lead into actions. And so... I found that the best way to reconcile my thoughts is journaling or or vlogging. Like this actually helps me. Somebody texted me yesterday and said they really liked the show and they said it's helped them a lot. And I definitely appreciate that kind of feedback. It's nice to to know that my thoughts have at least helped some people. Um, it's humbling to think that too because, well, it just is. But the um, the thoughts portion of this when you when you really try to to reconcile. Your thoughts, vlogging can help. And it doesn't have to be a public vlog. It can just be you journaling yourself through video and rewatching them in the past. Uh, writing is a tremendously powerful thing in a journal or just on a piece of paper and throw it away. Something that kind of helps you re help you articulate your feelings and thoughts in words. And one of my favorite things to do that's incredibly sobering is to write down a thought and then read it back to yourself out loud. And it's amazing how ridiculous some of the things we think are. <laughs> In our heads, they seem so absolute and true because they're so intertwined to our emotions. But then when you write it out and read it and you're like, that's really horribly inconsistent with reality. That's not actually how I feel. But the thought was real. Before we move further into this, Wisdom Worth Knowing is brought to you by Amazon Audible. 
If you're like me and you love reading but don't have the time, then Audible audiobooks may be the perfect solution for you. With Audible, listening is the new reading. You can pop in your earbuds and discover that next exciting adventure or expand your knowledge from any PC, Mac, Android, Alexa, or Apple device. And check this out. Because you listen to this show, for a limited time, you can get instant access to thousands, that's right, thousands, of audiobooks from Audible's Premium Plus catalog completely free. Just visit the link for my listeners, audible.wisdomworthknowing.org, right now and take advantage of a free 30-day trial. That's right, for 30 days, you'll get full access to the Audible Premium Plus catalog, as well as an additional free title, any title in the entire library for tr- uh, of your choosing. If you discover audiobooks aren't for you, no problem. You can cancel instantly online. You will not be charged a penny. That's it. It's that simple. Two years ago, audiobooks began to change my life. They may change yours, too. Pause this podcast and head over to the special link for my listeners, audible.wisdomworthknowing.org. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot wisdomworthknowing.org and give it a shot. Take king care of our thoughts when we're alone. So journaling is incredibly powerful for refining our thoughts. Self-authoring is what Jordan Peterson calls it. You don't need to be... You don't need to adopt a system or pay for a program. I mean, you can if you really have no idea where to start. But if we all know how to speak English and we all know how to write English, if we can take an emotion and write a word that reflects it, then we are qualified to write and journal. Journaling is literally pouring your emotions out. I like I like to have an active prayer life with God because I think Christianity offers me that personal relationship. So driving around in my car and just having conversations with God and being honest, including about how angry and emotional we are. That's been helpful for me. Again, if you're not religious, that's totally fine. I'm just trying to share what's been useful for me. So there's a lot of ways we can do this. We can take care of our thoughts. But that brings us into the next part where we need to take care of our words when we are with people. So we, two things to remember in life. Take care of our thoughts when we're alone covered that and take care of our words when we are with people. So there's something that used to exist, and I don't know if it still exists in some pockets in our culture, but it was called tact. And tact was the ability to be honest with people in a respectful way. Tact was also the awareness that you didn't need to say everything that went through your head all the time. Obviously, we all have opinions on things. And when we're around people, we don't always need to share every thought that goes through our heads. Because if we do that, first of all, it's kind of rude. Second of all, it doesn't consider the people we're talking to in a lot of ways. And so this is is a very difficult thing to kind of learn how to balance, is, is learning how to be honest with people, but also... Learning that sometimes keeping our mouths shut is the best thing we can do. In fact, I would argue that in most cases, I am a far more useful person when I keep my own thoughts to myself. Unless, of course, the situation seems appropriate in which I need to share my thoughts. Like if I'm having a conversation with somebody. I can't just stand there and keep my mouth shut the whole time. It's not much of a conversation. 
one of the most powerful quotes that had an impact on me, probably in my, my early 30s, was once again from Peterson's book, and it was on his chapter on Always Tell the Truth. He said, if we fail to tell the truth, it is the same as not existing. This is incredibly convicting for me. If we are liars and we lie to people, and we don't speak our truth through our experience, then it's the same as not existing. We might as well not even exist. If we're going to lie to everybody and we're telling them what they want to hear all the time, then there's no value in our experience because we're not sharing it. Now, what this doesn't mean is it doesn't mean all of our experiences are true. And it doesn't mean we're always right. But as he said, an interesting thing happens when we start to be honest. It creates a opportunity for connection on a deeper level with people. Because they learn more about who you are and what your experience is. So it creates more opportunities for intimacy and deeper friendships and deeper relationships. And the second thing that happens when we're honest or we begin to be honest is we start to get feedback. Some of it's good, some of it's bad. (laughs) If we're honest with people, it creates an opportunity for them to correct us. Or for our honesty and our experience to boomerang on us so that we can learn. If we keep everything inside of our heads all of the time and we are dishonest with people, then we can kind of hide in our corner and think that what we believe is the absolute truth. But our truth never gets tested if we're never honest. And so by being honest with people, it creates an opportunity for our own growth. It also creates an opportunity for their growth because maybe there is some value in your experience. An interesting thing starts to happen when you really start to be honest with people. And that doesn't mean being a jerk. It just means communicating effectively. The interesting thing is, is that first of all, most of the things you're afraid of being honest about aren't as terrifying as you thought. Second of all, you start to grow because you start to actually experience the consequences of sharing your experience. And it actually makes being honest easier over time because you start to adapt and learn what works, what doesn't work, what are effective ways of communicating, what aren't. It it begins this process. And then most importantly, the second part of this quote, it begins to create some experience for you on when it's appropriate to keep your mouth shut. (laughs) I remember when I took this always tell the truth thing to a unhealthy extreme early in my experience with it, because you have to start somewhere, right? The people who I was most dishonest with were like shocked. They like it, it, it came as a complete shock to them that suddenly I was being honest. And, and naturally, I got a lot of friction there. And I got a lot of resistance. And I got a lot of ended up in a lot of arguments. Those usually settled that whole situation usually settled down after a couple of weeks, you know, once people kind of adjust to you being more honest. But then another thing started to happen is you just get better at being honest. You know, like you get better at communicating honestly. If you've never done it, if you're generally a liar, 
and I didn't realize how much of a liar I was. And I wasn't doing it to be malicious. I just did it because it, you know, it kept the peace, you know, it was easier than disagreeing with somebody. But, but you do get better at it. You get better at this taking care of your words when you're with people. You have to be open to the fact that you might be wrong. You have to be open to the fact that you might not be communicating effectively. You have to be willing to learn. These are all essential components to that second part, taking care of your words when you're with people. So obviously this can go to both extremes, you know? So we, we need to start somewhere. And unfortunately, it's usually pretty ugly and pretty messy early in, early in that process. But that's true for any skill you learn. Like Name one skill that you wake up that morning and, and you're amazing at it. That's just not how real life works. You have to start somewhere. Nobody can solve mathematical problems the first time. You look at the sheet, it's riddled with mistakes and erases and cancellations and all that fun stuff. So two things to remember in life. Do you take care of our thoughts when we're alone? And a lot of times we can refine and articulate those thoughts in the written word through open dialogue, whether that's just talking to ourselves in the car or talking to God or whoever or whatever it might be, talking to a close friend or a relationship. These are all things that are well within our power. We don't. If we find ourselves in a situation in which it is impossible to gain an understanding of what's going on in our thought processes. You know, it also doesn't hurt to speak to a therapist or a psychologist. These are people who who literally dedicate their jobs and lives to trying to better understand why we do what it is we do. You know, that that's literally the job. <laughs> so if we find ourselves in a very, very impossible spot where we cannot seem to navigate it, you know, there's there is a lot of value in bringing somebody from the outside in, especially if they're not emotionally invested in whatever it is that we're struggling with or wrestling through. It's good to have a third neutral party, part of that equation, especially if they have experience and education in understanding behavior. That makes it even more valuable. So that's something to consider if you're in one of those situations. Before we move into the discussion time, I want to thank you for joining me. If you don't want to stick around for the discussion time. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you might be listening at this moment in time. Also, leave reviews if you're listening on uh, whatever network you're listening on. Feed the algorithm uh, to help the show grow. Uh, that's on Rumble, YouTube, and Facebook. You can do the social media sites there, or you can follow on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also visit the website at wisdomworthknowing.org. You can connect with the show there and also listen to every episode. And then you can also, uh, there's a donate button there if you decide the show is worth uh, helping support. This show is brought to you by Audible, where listening is the new reading. Get unlimited access to thousands of audiobooks completely free for 30 days. Sign up right now at the special link audible.wisdomworthknowing.org. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot wisdomworthknowing.org.
Vicky joined the live chat today. Welcome, Vicky. She says, I'm not religious, but I am very spiritual. I live my life by the 12-step program. I could say, I could dedicate probably countless hours to talking about the 12-step program. You want to talk about people who understood human behavior better than anyone else. If you have, if you struggle with any kind of addiction, and, and tw there's 12-step programs for, and I don't mean you, Vicky, specifically. I just mean the listeners. The uh, Al-Anon, uh, NA, AA, uh, there's just, there's tons of variations of the, the core program. Or even if you just go pick up the book, Alcoholics Anonymous, it's not just for alcoholics. Anybody who struggles with with any kind of hurt, habit, or hang-up can have value in that. Obviously, the program itself, they don't want you showing up if you're not an alcoholic because Alcoholics Anonymous is for alcoholics. Narcotics Anonymous is for... So don't just show up to a meeting if you don't actually struggle with the thing for the meeting. But the 12-step program itself is so incredibly eye-opening that... In fact, a lot of the, the things I'll talk about on my show um, spring from that book. So, uh, yeah, good for you, Vicki. That's, uh, that's an incredibly powerful resource for understanding human behavior. Because if you think about it in the context that nobody understands the importance of wrestling with why it is we do what we do than people who struggle with an addiction of some kind. Because for a lot of them, it is life or death. You know, they've, they've spiraled or there's, there's been situations in their lives in which it's gotten out of hand or out of control. And, they, and they've gotten to the point where it's literal life or death for them to figure out and understand their, why it is they do what they do. And the people who created the program, this was true for them. It, it became literal life or death. It got so bad for them because at the time in which the, the program was created, they were considered hopeless. And even to today, a lot of people consider addicts hopeless in a lot of ways. So what they did is they got together and they they developed a program that 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 worked for people. And then they from the this is literally one of those programs that they they had to hunt down people who figured out how to master this part of themselves and then they built a program from that. It's incredibly powerful. I, I mean, I think everybody should at least read the book once and they're pretty much free almost anywhere. <laughs> you just got to Google it. It's like, you can find a copy an audiobook copy, very powerful stuff. Thank you for sharing that Vicky. Um, highly, highly recommend it. Uh, I became aware of all my own, a lot of my own self-reflection issues through it, through reading it. So, yeah. You've been listening to the Wisdom Worth Knowing podcast. I'm your host, Craig Chamberlain. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you might be listening. 
We are on Facebook, YouTube, and Rumble. We are also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. I want to thank you again for swinging by. And until tomorrow, remember two things to remember in life. Take care of your thoughts when you are alone. And take care of your words when you are with people. So let us work on being the best version of ourselves we can today because it's really all we can do. I will see you all tomorrow.